Resulting trust. A resulting trust is an implied trust that comes into existence by operation of law where property is transferred to someone who pays nothing for it, and then is implied to have held the property for the benefit of another person. The trust property is said to result or jump back to the transferor, implied settler. In this instance, the word result means in the result, remains with, or something similar to revert except that in the result the beneficial interest is held on trust for the settler. Not all trusts whose beneficiary is also the settler can be called resulting trusts. In common law systems, the resulting trust refers to a subset of trusts which have such outcome, express trusts which stipulate that the settler is to be the beneficiary are not normally considered resulting trusts. Another understanding of resulting trusts could be an equitable instrument used to rectify and reverse unjust enrichment. The beneficial interest results in the settler, or if the settler has died the property forms part of the settler's estate, intestacy. It remains with the person in the case of Vanderville v. Inland Revenue Commissioners, 1967, shows that only the beneficial interest disappears but not the beneficiary interest. Closely related parties. Some jurisdictions may establish a rebuttable presumption of gift for property transfers between relatives. The presumption may operate as an affirmative defense to a petition to establish a resulting trust implied by operation of law as it is. The law presumes that it is legitimate to transfer property to a family member, particularly for a relative's support. But an unrelated transferee who receives substantial value without consideration is ordinarily presumed to hold the property in trust for the benefit of the transferor, unless it can be proven by them that it was intended to be a gift. The rebuttable presumption of gift affects transfers between siblings, uncles, aunts, children, and grandchildren. A notable exception to the presumption of gift is the transfer of property between husband and wife, transmutations. The marital exception to presumption of gift arises from the fiduciary duty that spouses owe to one another. Spouses have a special trusted relationship that imputes an obligation of utmost good faith and fair dealing. Accordingly, spouses are deemed incapable of transmutation except under specified circumstances, such as when making an express declaration of transmutation as by clear statement in a deed or other writing of substantial dignity. Unlawful Purpose In common law jurisdictions, a resulting trust law is a creation of the law of equity, rather than of common law, in the strict sense. Accordingly, the laws of some jurisdictions might recognize equitable defenses such as laches, unclean hands, and the responsibility to do equity. For example, if a transferor transfers property for an unlawful purpose and gains a benefit, then a court might hold that he has waived his right to claim a resulting trust. In such situations, a court balances the transferee's unjust enrichment with the enablement of cheating by the transferor. Enabling a cheater to gain from his transaction would erode the legitimacy of the court. Other jurisdictions may elect to disregard an unlawful purpose. In situations involving illegality, it can become difficult to distinguish implementation of a resulting trust theory, implied by operation of law, from an oral express trust, one implied by the facts. A transferor failing upon one theory might still prevail upon the other. Bear trust. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. A bear trust is a trust in which the beneficiary has a right to both income and capital and may call for both to be remitted into his own name. Assets in a bear trust are held in the name of a trustee, but the beneficiary has the right to all of the capital and income of the trust at any time if they're 18 or over in England and Wales, or 16 or over in Scotland. Bear trusts are often used to pass assets to young people, the trustees look after them until the beneficiary is old enough. Discretionary Trust A discretionary trust, in the trust law of England, Australia, Canada and other common law jurisdictions, is a trust where the beneficiaries and or their entitlements to the trust fund are not fixed, but are determined by the criteria set out in the trust instrument by the settler. It is sometimes referred to as a family trust in Australia or New Zealand. Where the discretionary trust is a testamentary trust, it is common for the settler, or testator, to leave a letter of wishes for the trustees to guide them as to the settler's wishes in the exercise of their discretion. Letters of wishes are not legally binding documents. Discretionary trusts can only arise as express trusts. It is not possible for a constructive trust or a resulting trust to arise as a discretionary trust. Forms. Discretionary trusts can be discretionary in two respects. First, the trustees usually have the power to determine which beneficiaries, from within the class, will receive payments from the trust. Second, trustees can select the amount of trust property that the beneficiary receives. Although most discretionary trusts allow both types of discretion, either can be allowed on its own. It is permissible in most legal systems for a trust to have a fixed number of beneficiaries and for the trustees to have discretion as to how much each beneficiary receives, or to have a class of beneficiaries from whom they could select members, but provide that the amount to be provided is fixed. Most well-drafted trust instruments also provide for a power to add or exclude beneficiaries from the class, this allows the trustees greater flexibility to deal with changes in circumstances, and, in particular, changes in the revenue laws of the applicable jurisdiction. Characteristically, discretionary trusts provide for a discretionary distribution of income only, but in some cases the trustees also have a power of appointment with respect to the capital in the trust, for example the corpus. Discretionary trusts are usually subdivided into two types. Exhaustive, where the trustees must distribute all income accruing to the trust fund, and non-exhaustive, where the trustees have an express power to accumulate income. Analysis. In a fixed trust the beneficiary has a specific proprietary right in relation to the trust fund. Each beneficiary of a discretionary trust, in contrast, is dependent upon the trustees to exercise their power of selection favorably. In Gartside v. IRC, 1968, the Inland Revenue argued that as each beneficiary might be entitled to income from the trust fund, each should be charged as if he were entitled to the whole of the fund. Perhaps unsurprisingly, the House of Lords rejected this argument. Even where there is a sole member of the class remaining, so long as there is a possibility that another member of the class could come into existence, that member is not considered a sole beneficiary for purposes of taxation liability. Guardside v. IRC concerned a non-exhaustive discretionary trust, however, in re settlement, 
1969, and Sainsbury v. IRC, 1970, the courts held that the same analysis was equally applicable to exhaustive discretionary trusts. The rights of individual beneficiaries under a discretionary trust being uncertain, it was open to question to what extent the beneficiaries of a discretionary trust, if all of adult age and sound mind, could utilize the rule in Saunders v. Vautier. It had been held that beneficiaries under a discretionary trust could do so, although that authority was decided pre-MC Fail v. Dalton, where to be valid the trustees had to be able to draw up a complete list of beneficiaries. That notwithstanding, leading commentators have suggested that provided all of the beneficiaries could be ascertained, they should still retain the right to terminate the trust under the rule, so long as it is an exhaustive discretionary trust. Duties The ordinary correlation between beneficiaries' rights and trustees' duties which arises in fixed trusts is absent in discretionary trusts. Although there are clearly duties, it is less clear whether there are any correlating rights. However, it seems clear that the trustees' duty is limited to a. determining whether to exercise their discretion, and b. exercising their discretion lawfully under the terms of the trust. Whilst the beneficiaries will have standing to sue the trustees for failing to fulfill their duties, it is not clear that they would gain by such action. In Relocker's Settlement, 1977, the trustees of a discretionary trust did not make any distributions for a number of years based upon the expressed wishes of the settler. The trust then fell dormant, and after several more years, the trustees sought directions. The court held that their discretionary powers continued, and that they should exercise it in respect of the dormant years now as they should have done at the time. The court reaffirmed that if trustees refused to distribute income or refused to exercise their discretion, although the court could not compel it to be exercised in a particular manner, it could order that the trustees be replaced. The position with the duty to consider exercising discretion in non-exhaustive discretionary trusts is more complicated, as the duty to exercise discretion can be satisfied by deciding to accumulate. Purposes Discretionary trusts still serve a useful function, despite their original source of popularity, tax savings, having diminished in most countries. They still continue to be used for these reasons, among others. To protect improvident beneficiaries against creditors, as the beneficiary has no claim to any specific part of the trust fund, none of the trust fund is vulnerable to attachment by the trustee in bankruptcy of any beneficiary. To exercise control over young or improvident beneficiaries. To create flexibility to react to changes in circumstances. In certain jurisdictions, a discretionary trust can be used to protect family assets from forming part of any divorce settlement. Popularity and Decline The popularity of discretionary trusts rose sharply after the decision of the House of Lords in MacPhail v. Dalton, 1971, where Lord Wilberforce restated the test for certainty of objects in connection with discretionary trusts. Previously, it had been understood that for the trust to be valid, the trustees had to be able to draw up a complete list of all the possible beneficiaries, and if they could not do so, the trust was void. But Lord Wilberforce held that provided it could be said of any person whether they were in or out of the class, as described by the settler, the trust would be valid. Because under a discretionary trust, no one beneficiary could be said to have title to any trust assets prior to a distribution, this made discretionary trusts a powerful weapon for tax planners. Inevitably, the surge in popularity has led to a legislative response in most jurisdictions, thus in many countries there are now considerable tax disadvantages to discretionary trusts, which has predictably hampered their use outside the scope of charitable trusts. In the United Kingdom, for example, 
The Finance Act 1975 imposed a capital transfer tax on any property settled on a discretionary trust, which was replaced in the Finance Act 1988 by the Inheritance Tax. Accumulation and Maintenance Accumulation and Maintenance A&M, trusts are a type of discretionary trust for the benefit of children and young people in England and Wales. Development and Tax Treatment The concept of an A&M trust emerged in England and Wales after the enactment of the Capital Taxes Act 1974, CTA. The CTA discouraged the use of discretionary trusts by introducing new tax rules, but it made a specific exception for trusts designed to help young people under the age of 25. This particular type of trust grew in significance over the years and became known as an accumulation and maintenance trust. They came to fall under the purview of S.71 Inheritance Tax Act 1984, which continued their special tax treatment. The Finance Act 2006 took A&M trusts out of the purview of S.71. Today, A&M trusts are governed by Part 3, ch. 3 Ida, and therefore receive exactly the same tax treatment as other types of discretionary trusts. As a result, the use of A&M trusts is declining rapidly. The new breed of 18 to 25 trusts are taking their place.